What is going on, everyone? Welcome into The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. It is March. It is spring practice. It is Ohio State football. There's a lot going on. And as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, it seems like we finally have stuff to talk about now that uh, the, it looks like the basketball team is bad again. Yeah, it does appear that the basketball team is bad again. Um, continuing the trend that whenever anyone says anything about the basketball team, good or bad, they become the opposite of that. We, we could touch on the basketball game a little bit. So Ohio State got smacked um, at Purdue, which sounds familiar. 86 to 51 is the score I have in my mind. I'm not sure if that's correct, but it was a blowout, basically. I mean, really not a not a ton to talk about from the game. I thought Jadon Ledee looked pretty good, really the only bright spot. He had 16 points and looked, I mean, he's a good free throw shooter and seemed to be at least okay filling in for Caleb Wesson. He had too many fouls, but kind of hard to fill in for Caleb Wesson, who has been suspended indefinitely. I know that they said before the end of the season, but presumably for the Northwestern game coming up on Wednesday, and then we'll we'll see with the Wisconsin game after that. <clears throat> Outside of that, not a ton to, to talk about for this game. Ohio State shot really poorly. They, they didn't have a ton of turnovers, but their defense was really bad, and just a bad, you know, one of those games where you you can just tell from the beginning that it's not going to be close. Yeah, and like we said last week, I'm comfortable with this team just going to the NIT. I don't know if people still have them. The bracketologists have them. They do. I believe they do. Wow, what a <laughs> just, terrible yeah. field 2019 yeah, it's, college it's basketball is producing. I mean, Indiana's on the bubble. 15 oh. and 14 Indiana. <laughs> I've been thinking the closer we get to the tournament, this is a year where everybody's going to predict Virginia to lose in the first and second round again, and they're just going to go all the way and win it by like a 42 <laughs> to 19 uh score in the national championship game that's what type of season this has been yeah i could i could see that i really wouldn't like to see it but i could see it. <laughs> it, it's bad but ohio state has a couple more games coming up like you said uh northwestern next up on the docket i i don't really have anything beyond just i don't know we'll see we'll see uh we'll see what happens caleb wesson's still suspended and when you're on the bubble and there's only a couple more games left in the season and the big 10 tournaments right around the corner having your best player suspended for team reasons yeah it's not good yeah it's not good folks justin <laughs> orange uh zero points on one total shot um that's really not not what you love to see from him <laughs> not what you love to see i believe joey lane started the second half which we do love to see we love to see that <laughs> what we also love to see is former ohio state players showing out and last week when we talked about or we i guess we just previewed the combine we were really excited about ohio state's wide receivers basically everybody and for the most part it seems like almost every Ohio State player, save Kendall Sheffield, who I think tore his pec doing the bench press, or there was like a small tear in his pec doing the bench press. Everybody seemed to have a very uh, a very strong performance, including those wide receivers. What was it? Three of the top nine runners in the 40 were Ohio State players. So very good week for the Buckeyes at the Combine. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I think the lowest that Ohio State had um, in the official 40-yard dash from their wide receivers was Johnny Dixon at 4.41, which is 
very fast. Um, Terry McLaurin ran a 4.39. I think Paris Campbell was the fastest receiver at a 4.31 official, um, which, I mean, we've been saying that for years, that Paris Campbell was going to blaze down the the 40-yard dash track, and he, he certainly did. Um, you know, good, like we've been saying, like we said all year, really good to see those guys succeed. I, I think that um, those you know, those three receivers and the receivers in that room in general went through quite a bit, um, in the past year or so. And just under, you know, under, you know, four years of Zach Smith that they had to go through uh, and to, to see them break out of that, to get some real coaching and then to, to succeed at this level has been really, really good. And I'm, I'm really happy for those guys. Um, Outside of the receiver room, like you mentioned, Kendall Sheffield, it was uh, too bad to see him with that, you know, the injury on the bench press. Would have really liked to see him run the 40 and would have really liked to see him get the chance to, you know, prove himself as an athlete, prove himself as a player, um, maybe move up some some draft boards and he doesn't really get the chance to do that now. Um, not a ton else. Draymond Jones was a bit slower than I expected. He ran a, a 4 one, or a 5-1-2, but... You know he's he's a pretty big dude, and I, I don't think it's going to hurt him too much. Dwayne Haskins, five point oh six, I think, which was I, I remember a couple weeks ago, we were we were joking about the um, the over under that was set for his forty time at four point seven one. I think we were joking about that on this show, um, and, and who boy, if you if you took the over on that, congratulations on the uh, the free money because. Dwayne Haskins, not a runner. I, I think I think he has proven without a semblance of doubt now, not not a runner. Yeah, any of the comparisons to him to any running quarterbacks are dead in the water. For the scouts that hadn't watched any Ohio State football were just like, Oh, he was in Urban Meyer's offense. Uh he's he's probably a runner. No, 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 no. Uh yeah, that wasn't surprising at all. I'm just glad he didn't I know he pulled up. Lame, it doesn't seem like there was anything too major. I'm just happy he didn't hurt himself doing yeah. any of that. Uh, to Paris Campbell, he's going to be a top 50 pick, and it's just absolutely amazing to me and, and crazy, and I couldn't be happier for him when you look back at his career in its totality at Ohio State. Like, who would have ever thought? Yeah, and, you look at him and you know, his early years, and it's like, this kid can't play receiver. He can't catch. And you know now he's, he's going to be a top 50 pick, and that's just – that development is is incredible and to do most of it in in one year is you know very very rare also the only thing i hope happens in the nfl draft and not that i'm i don't, I don't want to say i'm rooting against anybody but i i do hope that uh the same team takes dk metcalf in the first round and then takes like terry mclaurin in the fourth <laughs> or the fifth and then and then their 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 practice starts training camp starts and he just like is immediately better and the coaches are just like eh, well uh, hmm. we'll just say Terry was our first round pick. <laughs> that would be, that would be very funny. I like DK Metcalf, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hope for that, but that would be very funny. Um, the only other thing that, that I saw from the combine that was kind of surprising to me, not, not as much as, um, maybe it would have been a couple years ago, Mike Weber, 4.47 on the, the 40 yard dash. I think he was one of the, one of the faster running backs, certainly for his, his size, a pretty impressive time because he came in at 5 10 to 11 um so he uh he really turned his play style around in the last two years that he was at ohio state from really a, a power back early on in his career to a bit more of a breakaway speed guy later on in a, a very strange development after having an injury you don't usually see somebody get faster but 
he certainly did, and I think that that'll that'll help his uh, his longevity in the NFL, and probably made himself some money this weekend. I don't know if we talked about this in the lead up to the combine NFL draft stuff, or even when he decided that he was going to leave. But as I think, maybe not as agitated the right word as he was about probably not being the guy that he thought he was going to be coming into Ohio State, as in in terms of being just that number one back getting most of the carries for him to flip around his play style and be much more of a faster straight line speed guy that still has a little bit of power and and can sometimes make people miss and to not have the wear and tear that a lot of these other running backs, you know, a guy like miles Gaskin, who I think has close to a thousand carries in college, you know, he had a thousand yards in each of his four seasons him he's he's coming into the league pretty fresh and i think in the long run that is super going to benefit him and he may be one of those guys that's just a much more productive player at the nfl level so i'm very intrigued to see what happens with mike weber where he goes what type of system he fits into and and how he's used as a rookie because if any of the lingering injury issues from him are resolved and kind of healed up, then he should be pretty fresh. Yeah, I, I could certainly see him as the next like Philip Lindsay that gets drafted later, goes undrafted. I don't remember where Philip Lindsay got drafted, but he didn't get drafted at okay. all. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember being upset about that at the time. Now that you mention it, but and then he comes in and is immediately pretty good. Um, I think he was actually really, really good this past year for the Broncos. Um, I, I think Mike Weber could be a guy like that who goes pretty late and then is you know better than people expected, is able to to play well because he has a little bit less damage done to him in college, and I, I think he's a guy that could be in the league for a long time. Um, last bit of major, I guess, rumor, not so much news from the Combine, is talks that the Cardinals are going to be drafting Kyler Murray with their first overall pick, which impacts Ohio State in that that would mean Nick Bosa is not the first pick um Nick Bosa who had I think a pretty good combine not you know not anything spectacular he's really not I don't think the kind of guy who's going to do a ton at a combine Joey was the same way where most of their their production is just on the field they're not so much the freak athletes as they are just guys who rack up sacks and tackles and are extremely technically skilled which doesn't really show up as much at the combine but um he had good numbers on the bench as he saw uh 29 reps there 40 time was nothing spectacular uh but that that would be that would put him in an interesting spot if kyler murray is to go first because i i think the 49ers have the second pick and i don't believe they need a defensive lineman so we could see nick bosa falling a little bit that's interesting too because not not only for Bosa, but if Kyler Murray goes one, then it's just going to be chaos, I think, to for teams to come in and snag Dwayne Haskins. And he could end up being the second overall pick if somebody bumps up, you know, with a trade. And I still think that Bosa will go pretty high because teams know what he is. And it sounds like the biggest question mark about him being his health was pretty cleared up, at least from everything that I've seen. And he's good to go. So I think that if that's completely out of the way, then he'll still be a top five pick. And you may see two Ohio State players go in the top five, which is obviously great for recruiting. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that um, 
pretty much regardless of of what happens on draft day, you know, unless it's like a massive fall for both players, it's going to be a pretty big um, top ten picks for the Buckeyes. Uh, seeing how Dwayne Haskins seems to be quarterback one for most non Cliff Kingsbury people, uh, Nick Bosa is, is pretty obviously, I think, the most talented defensive end in the class, and. That's a uh, usually a position of need for most teams, or at least a position of want. So I, I think it's going to be a, a really solid draft for Ohio State and probably a, a big-time showing for, for Brian Hartline and for his receivers room, as the combine was as well. I think that the, the three Buckeye receivers are probably going to go a bit higher, higher than people are expecting. All right, now that we're over 10 minutes in, we can get to... What the a good lot stuff. of the people, yeah, the good <laughs> stuff. What a lot of people are here for, and it's the first time in a while we can finally talk about it. Actual football is going to be back tomorrow. Ohio State starts spring practice on, I think it's tomorrow, the sixth, and that all leads up to the spring game in April. And there's really, the, the, we'll we can't do this all in one episode because there's so much to get to with really even though he coached in three games last year, just a first-time head coach in Ryan Day, his first spring practice, a whole new coaching staff, and a lot of new faces at key positions. And it all starts tomorrow. What What's your level of excitement heading into spring practice compared to other years? Well, I think that it would be revisionist of me to say that I wasn't excited for last season because I, I was. I, I think that if people were to go back and listen to our, our preview podcast from last year, they would, you know, I, I would have said that I was excited then as well. Um, but it's a, it's kind of a different feeling this year than it has been from the last couple of years because I think before last year, the, you know, like, previewing 2016, previewing 2017, I really wasn't all that excited and I wasn't on the podcast for that. But just in general, it was kind of a a feeling of, it, it wasn't that I thought Ohio State was going to do poorly in those years. It was just that I knew exactly what Ohio State's ceiling was and then they went exactly to that ceiling. And I, I think that <clears throat> this year is, is more of a feeling that the ceiling is kind of gone in a way that we don't really know what the ceiling is. We don't know what the floor is. We we don't know anything about what this team could be. You know, you got brand new quarterback who's really never played significant minutes in a college football game. You've got um, quite a bit of, of change on the defensive staff. You've got coaches who we've never seen at Ohio State before, coaches who have never been in the positions that they're in before with a guy like Jeff Halfley, who's taking over as at least co-defensive coordinator after spending you know, the first part of his career as a defensive backs coach. And you've got Greg Madison coming over from Michigan and now Washington coming over from Michigan. And we don't really know what they're going to do with the personnel at linebacker, at you know the defensive line, and even in the defensive backfield where there are plenty of questions about if the returning starter will remain the starter or if there will be you know younger replacements there or even just different, not necessarily younger replacements specifically at linebacker and I think that this this year it's it's a feeling of excitement certainly but it's it's also some uncertainty and um in a in a way and I know that Ohio State fans don't like it when I um when I trash talk Urban Meyer or his his winning record or anything like that in a way I feel a lot better about this year because I think in the last couple of years with Urban Meyer, and we've obviously have talked this to death, in the last couple of years with Urban Meyer, there was a very, very defined ceiling. And I think that ceiling was Ohio State being the fifth best team in the country. And 
I, I think that I'm ready for the change to Ryan Day and to see what he can do with this team and to see if um, maybe a, a breath of, of fresh air, a breath of youth into the program can be what takes it back to the elite level that we saw in 2014 and the elite level that we saw you know, a couple of years under Trestle. I, I think that going back from great back to elite is, is kind of what I'm looking for. Obviously that would be, you know, ideal as a fan, but I think that is, that's kind of the excitement around this year is the, the potential of not having that ceiling anymore. The potential of breaking away from the, the nepotism hires and just the constant kind of droning on that was the, the late stage Meyer teams and that's not to say that those teams didn't win games it was just miserable and I'm I'm really hoping that this year is not that <laughs> which is just to say I hope the year is fun to watch and I, I think it will be yeah and for the first time in a couple of years it it feels to me as if that that aura of can Ohio State get over their own mistakes is gone and maybe maybe it'll be the same thing. Who knows? We're, we're going to have to wait until the season to get there. But every single year, it was uh, there was just that one loss. There was that one really stupid thing Ohio State did that they knew they shouldn't do, but they did anyway. And it was so obvious to everybody when it happened. And then it happened. And afterwards, we were all wondering, how could everybody let this happen you know, why? And then you just barely miss out on the playoff or you barely miss out on your goals. And at least right now, it doesn't feel that way. And it's obvious that, yeah, the Urban Meyer era is over. But in addition to him being gone, really those, a lot of the key players from that era, it feels like that Clemson game is officially dead. That playoff game now is over. JT Barrett's gone. He's been gone for a couple of seasons. The wide receivers, as good as they played last year, they're all gone from that era. This is a new era for all these wide receivers, and it's a different group of wide receivers in terms of the way they play, and we'll see that with a young player like Garrett Wilson who comes in, and this is this is the first time to see him in Ohio State gear, and then we'll see him play in the spring game. And even guys like Draymond Jones, Nick Bosa, uh, that whole era is gone, and now you have a totally different group of players, a totally different group of coaches, a seemingly different schematic defense in the in terms of the way they operate. Uh, no Greg Schiano, which is just absolutely wonderful, and there are still some elements left over. There are are some players still left over from 2015, 16, 17, but or maybe not 2015, but the other years. But it just feels like there's a freshness about it, like you said. And we're not talking about the same things that we have been the last two or three off-seasons. And maybe that's a bad thing because you never want to go into the off-season like, yeah, we got this transfer quarterback and he hasn't really played as highly touted as he is. We have a new head coach who's a first-time head coach. Our offensive line is totally brand new. We're losing possibly three or four first-round picks. Uh, The secondary was bad last year. A couple of bad linebackers are coming back. So I can see how you balance it, but I I think a lot of it is very positive and is for the better. And I think that this team throughout spring ball and even leading up to the season is going to have some growing pains, but I'm okay with that because, like you said, I don't think that the ceiling for this group 
is as defined as it has been in the past. What do you think of um, of all the position groups or even just individual players? Which which group or player do you think you're most interested in heading into spring ball and then heading into summer and fall practice and ultimately into the season? The easiest answers are quarterback, anything on the offensive line, and the linebackers. And may- maybe even the secondary if you want to throw that in there. Just to be different, I'll go with defensive line and I'll go with Chase Young. Before the Penn State game, we talked at length about how it was his time. Nick Bosa got injured. He wasn't going to play for the rest of the season. That if Chase Young wanted to be the guy, if he wants to live up to the hype that people are saying, hey, when he comes out, he's going to be a top five pick. He had to show out and prove it. And in the Penn State game, he did. And I didn't know until recently that he was kind of dealing with some ankle stuff on on both of his legs all season and just some nagging injuries and had to fight through it. But there were times he disappeared. And then in the Big Ten championship game, what, he had three sacks, forced a fumble, just played really awesome. And now with some of those other guys that have left in the past couple of seasons, this is his defensive line. And this is his chance to step up as a leader and be that guy who's a game changer on the defense. And we know he's the best player on the line. But his consistency, I think, starts now in spring ball. And I'm very interested to watch him and some of the things he says and some of the reports about him because I'm I'm optimistic. I don't want to make it sound like I'm dogging him. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the country. But it's like for him, it's go time now. And if they have any aspirations to have a better defense and to have the defensive line that we thought that they were going to be last season, it all starts with him. So I am very focused on Chase Young to see if he can take the step from being a very good player to an elite player who's one of the best in the country. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's a really good answer. I think that the defensive line in general is is pretty interesting this year. Obviously, we, we know probably three of the starters going into spring ball with um, Chase Young, like you mentioned, Jonathan Cooper, and, and Robert Landers all assumed that they will be starting, and I don't think there's a ton of question about that. And seeing if Chase Young can take a step towards being elite instead of just very good and and take a step towards consistency is is I think crucial for this defense's success especially against the pass where he really excels um I I think that that fourth defensive line spot is pretty interesting to me because it it comes down to uh you've got a guy like Devon Hamilton who who I think fits physically next to to Robert Landers I think that Having a bit of a bigger guy there could help Landers become the the pass rusher that he really wasn't able to be because Draymond Jones was down there and you needed someone to fill the the running lanes. And I think that if you put Hamilton there, it could make some sense. You've got some of the younger guys, guys like Teron Vincent, who saw a little bit of time last year, but not a ton. Tommy Togiai, another one like that. Um, Antoine Jackson, who came here last year as a JUCO, who did not see the field at all. I don't believe he he played in in a single game um and you're, you're kind of wondering if he's going to break through uh haskell garrett another one who's now i think a junior who has not um seen significant playing time to this point and i, I think in general that you know garrett and uh some of the other guys on the defense that we will probably mention I, I think you know baron browning sean wade jeffrey okuda some of these significant contributors all tie in with i think this is the year that that um, that extremely good, that extremely highly touted 2017 class has to, you know, shine. They're they're juniors now. They're redshirt sophomore. They're juniors now, and 
that's really the the veterans on this team. That's the veterans on any Ohio State team is the junior class, and I think that that'll be really really key for this season on the whole is the 2017 class showing up and and kind of taking over. Um, I think uh, on the the offensive side of the ball, I, I have. Uh, a similarly kind of unique, maybe not so talked about answer as to where I'm looking towards. And I think it's the running back position. Um, I talked about this on a podcast, I think with Matt a couple weeks ago that I have a, um, maybe a hot take, kind of just a prediction on the, the running back position that I think Demario McCall is going to take the starting job at some point. I think that, um, uh, before the end of the season, Demario McCall will be getting the majority of carries. And I, I think that is, the thing that I'm really watching this spring is to see how Mike Yurcich and how Ryan Day use Demario. How they, you know, if they're playing him at running back full time and using him as a legitimate running back instead of just as kind of a gimmicky weapon out of the backfield. And I think that if used the the correct way, he could be a a really really stellar player, like a a top five in the country caliber running back. And the athleticism and the speed that he has is truly, truly rare. And I think that if Ohio State uses him the right way, they will, you know, they will certainly not regret it. And I think that finding a balance between playing him and playing J.K. Dobbins and, and playing them to their strengths is really something that I'm interested in this season and this offseason and finding the way that they develop this offense with two really, really good running backs. I think both of those answers we said right there on defensive line and running back are kind of indicative of what we said about there being a newness and a a freshness to this team in the way that it feels like they're approaching the season. Because for the first time in a long time, it doesn't feel like we're talking about Ohio State going into the season of them just saying, hey, we're going to do what we do. We're going to do what we keep doing, and that's going to push us or put us in position to – you know, beat Michigan, be in the Big Ten title game, and then accomplish all of our goals after that. It, it feels like this year it's like, ah, we don't know. We, we don't really know who's going to be at certain spots. There's going to be a lot of new faces. And like I said earlier, that might end up being a bad thing. Who knows? It may crater. But I, I think the fact that we're just talking, it's something different. And I think that that's good because as upset as people get when you say that, I think that Ohio State peaked with what they were doing and the peak was super, super high and that's a very good place to be in relation to other programs. But as we've just mentioned to death on this podcast, there was just a little bit missing and they were just, they they got to four fifths of that mountain, but that last fifth, it was just, just out of their reach and whether or not doing things differently can get them there, we'll just have to wait and see. But from my perspective, something had to change and there had to be a little bit of a switch up, you know, outside of just the, the coaching change and Ryan Day coming in and doing things a little bit differently that whether it's schematically, just the way they run the program and the players themselves, it has to be run a little bit differently for them to get to the next level. And it's going to take some time, but I really like that there's a lot of new faces competing for different spots and that are going to be used differently. It feels like every spring there's a guy who um, the the coaching staff talks about a whole lot. The coaching staff says that he's really taken a step forward. The coaching staff is talking about him constantly. Anonymous sources are saying he's you know, really lighting it up. Um, I think that 
my um you know my my take on Demario McCall could kind of fall into that line but outside of outside of him who do you think that breakout player that we really haven't seen a ton um who do you think that guy might be this spring that everybody's talking about as you know this guy's going to break through this year this guy's ready to go god i mean what are the 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 easy answers are Chris Olave, who I mean, we've already seen kind of break yeah, out. Yeah, I think he's I, ready. Yeah, <laughs> but and and the wild thing is, is that there are other players. There are so many other players that are being talked about, and I think the Justin Fields thing is clearly going to be the story of the spring. But there are other like the linebacker stuff, uh, the wide receivers, especially after the draft, because people are going to be like, "Oh man, Ohio State has to replace three draft picks. Like, what are they going to do?" A guy like Olave is going to kind of go under the radar until then. And then we're going to start talking about him as we get closer to the season. But I don't know, maybe one of the linebackers Tarada Mitchell, I think is, is a guy that we've talked about on this podcast, Baron Browning as another of, Hey, in this new system that looks to be somewhat of a four, two, five based off of what we've heard. I don't God, know. We'll I hope see. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll see when they get out on the field and they're going to have kind of a hybrid safety it has to be one of those guys. Like if, if you were just talking about from purely, hey, what's going to happen or what needs to happen if Ohio State takes that next step? What do they have to do? They have to be better defensively because they can get by playing offense at the level that they have been and that they did last year. That, that'll work just fine. But the defense can't be what it's been the last two seasons. And I think for me that starts with linebacker play and being more consistent in you know, we, we've said it endlessly here, but the two guys that have been in there beside Malik Harrison just, just aren't it. That, that's just that's just the honest truth. I love that and we just don't say their names anymore. <laughs> it, it's because I don't want to make it sound like we're attacking them as people, like they're bad kids and even like they're bad football players because I don't think that Pete Werner and Tough Borland are bad football players. We, we've seen them make plays and play well. I think they fit with at the high level Ohio State plays at. I don't think they fit if Ohio State wants to play a team like Clemson or Oklahoma or Alabama. They're going to get shredded with those guys back there. And that's just the honest reality of it. And if they want to take the next step and be better than just, hey, this guy really loves the program. He's he's a guy that just plays tough. You're going to have to be better. And that starts, I think, with Mitchell. It starts with Browning. Who's going to win those roles? I don't know. But one of those guys needs to step up and just take it this year. Yeah, I, I think I agree with um, with a couple of the linebacker picks. I um, my I guess kind of my depth chart prediction if they go with a four two five, I'm guessing it'll be Harrison and Browning at linebacker with uh, Brendan White out as the the nickel or viper or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I feel like that would probably be the best pairing you can you can get. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto Mitchell finds his way in there. Um, as a more situational guy, same with Justin Hilliard. I don't imagine that we'll see a ton of Warner or, or Borland under the new staff, which is, I mean, you know, it's it's too bad for for them that they're they're probably going to have to find somewhere else if they want to play. But that's just that's how it works in college football and in a in a faster defense, you really can't afford to have those guys. And that's you know, it's the unfortunate truth of the matter. Um, I think that 
my my pick i think i have two breakout spring picks that everybody's talking about um both of which are tied in with the the shift presumably the shift towards the 425 um number one is josh proctor i think josh proctor is going to take the the starting safety spot that will be vacated by brendan white as he moves to nickelback i think that in the in the spring josh proctor is really really going to excel um, alongside Jordan Fuller back there, and I think he's going to be the the presumed starter heading into fall camp. I, I think he's he's going to impress a lot of people. Um, and with that, uh, with him taking over as the second safety, I think, and this is this is easily the hotter of my my two takes. Um, I think Jocelyn Went at uh, Nickelback is going to impress a lot of people. Uh, I saw that a couple days ago. He was in the the picture that Brandon White posted of the the linebackers room, which makes me think that both Brandon White and Jocelyn Went are moving to Nickelback, which makes so much sense for for the way that Jocelyn Went plays. And we saw in the the 2018 season he was not he was not ready to play safety. He was not ready to play the way that they needed him to play, which was admittedly a very bad position just in general. The the way that they used safeties was bad. It, it didn't. It didn't work for obvious reasons, but I think that putting him at nickelback, putting him in a place where he can be more aggressive, where he can use his speed, where he can tackle, and he doesn't have to play that, you know, that deep center, that that center fielder Malik Hooker style role that he just very obviously wasn't able to play. I think if you're using him as more of a, a hybrid guy, he can really, really make some plays, and I think that. Spring practice, that's going to be a guy that Ryan Day is talking about constantly is taking big steps forward that, you know, Al Washington is talking about how Brendan White is the nickelback starter this year, but when he's off to the NFL, Jocelyn Wint can slide right in next year. I think that maybe not a, a 2019 breakthrough as much as it is. We just we know that he's a very capable backup this year. And then in 2020, he's ready to go and he's you know excelling at that that nickelback spot. I was going to ask you about those defensive backs because I have the the striking feeling that as spring practice goes on, it's just going to be more apparent that like uh, maybe the problem wasn't that the players back there were just bad. Yeah, they were just being used <laughs> wrong. That really seems like it's already obvious and we haven't seen anything. But of course, we have to see the players out there and play but I, I think that they're going to be used much more to their strengths this season yeah I think that and I, I have written about this extensively and if people want more in-depth looks at um, why Greg Schiano's defense was uh, the way it was last year I think that we have uh, we have plenty of film rooms on that that people can go read but um, in general, the just the issue with the way that Ohio State used defensive backs last season was that they asked way, way too much of them, especially the safeties. Um, we saw against you know against Purdue, you're making Isaiah Pryor, you're making Jordan Fuller cover uh, Rondale Moore in one on one with a a 12 yard or you know yeah 12 yards of spacing before the play, and it's just just bad. It's it's poorly designed, and that. That so heavy man defense that relies on having one safety back to make all the plays. It works great when you have Malik Hooker and when you have Denzel Ward and Garyon Conley and Marshawn Lattimore and you have these elite cornerbacks and safeties who can make it work. Even Dame Webb, a guy who I think we really underappreciated during the time he was at Ohio State, um, they can make it work. But when you have linebackers that are struggling and can't really make tackles at the line of scrimmage, also because of where they're put and what they're expected to do, 
um, and you're making your safety serve as the last line of defense in the passing attack and you know having them make tackles in the running game significantly you know they they have to do it quite a bit i think jordan fuller was one of the best tacklers on the team which you don't want from your safety that's not that's not a good sign it was just it was not a fair system to to put them in and to make them play in and i wouldn't be surprised at all if this spring we hear from jeff halfley we hear from matt barnes saying that you know the the cornerbacks the safeties have blown away their expectations in a system that suits them much better i, I think that you know we're going to see Jeffrey Okuda we're going to see Sean Wade on the outside this year and we'll we'll probably be asking on this podcast during the season like why the hell were these guys not starting last year or why the hell was Damon Arnett not playing in the slot this whole time he's so much better at it or you know why was Brandon White not playing as a nickelback this whole time he's elite at playing nickelback he's very obviously built to be a nickelback and I, I think that it's it's definitely going to be one of those seasons where we're looking at these guys like we were with Chris Olave late last season, where we're you know asking where the hell was this guy all year? Why was he not playing all year? And I, I think that you know while that's that's frustrating, it certainly shows progress. It it shows that Ohio State is actually finding and playing the right players, and that's you know obviously the the hope. Um, I don't enjoy being mad about Ohio State football. It's not a good uh, thing for my my health, and I would like to see them find the bright players and run like a system that doesn't absolutely suck. And I think that, that this year could certainly be that. Um, and I think the defensive backfield might be the place where we see that the most save for maybe linebacker. Speaking of the way players are used, uh, we probably won't get a lot of X's and O's type of stuff, especially on offense, but Jeremy Ruckert yeah. at tight end, the best way to break in a young quarterback is to give him a friend he can consistently throw the ball to. And I think that KJ Hill can be that with what he's been able to do in the slot, especially in short yardage. So I would imagine that uh, KJ Hill and Justin Fields have, if if they haven't already established a pretty good relationship and he's going to be a nice safety blanket, but having a tight end like Ruckert, Ruckert that can work the middle of the field, can work that seam and can go up and high point a ball like we saw him do in high school would be very big to have in something Ohio State feels like has never had in their offense ever. And I'm intrigued to watch how Jeremy Ruckert is used. And he's not going to be an inline guy, but that's not what this offense is anymore. He's not going to be expected to block on first and second down and then, you know, run a stick route on third down. He's much more dynamic than that. And he can be used as a big receiver. And I think that. Mike Yursich being involved in this offense to an extent is going to be interesting with how that plays with Jeremy Ruckert because Oklahoma State had a lot more experience, I think, in using tight ends and especially athletic tight ends that they can get the ball out to wide. And I, I'm just so excited when I first watched him in high school and that potential is there. And that's just something it feels like they just have to use right and unlock. And I think with the way the offense is shifting, he could be a guy that becomes a very dynamic weapon for them. Yeah, and I, I think that this is something I was actually talking about on um, on a different podcast with some Oklahoma State guys because I was talking about their new offensive coordinator hire. Um, and one of the things that they mentioned is the use of something that Mike Gundy calls cowboy backs, um, which is, I mean, a stupid name, but that's kind of part of college football is having stupid names for, for made up positions. Um, but essentially what this is, 
is kind of the um, the, the new style of H-back or just the different style of H-back. You look at a guy like Jordan Reed who maybe not so much a, a tight end in the traditional sense, but a guy who's a little bit bigger, who's a very, very good athlete, and maybe he can't block extremely well, but is essentially just a very large receiver. And I think that's what Jeremy Ruckert is. I think that's the position he can fill. I think that you know having him as a safety blanket, having him as a guy who can be a, a very consistent vertical threat out of the tight end spot is something that Ohio State's going to do quite a bit this season. He is, I think, ready to be the starter, which is, you know, again, kind of unfortunate for the guys that are ahead of him and in, in Luke Farrell and Rashad Berry, who I just don't think fit too well in this offense. But I think that as Ohio State shifts away from using their their tight ends exclusively as blockers and towards using them more as passing weapons, we'll see more and more of Jeremy Ruckert, and we'll see more and more of guys like Jeremy Ruckert, and I, I expect that that could be another one of those those positions where there aren't a ton on the offense. There's not going to be a ton of changing stuff on the offense, but I do think the tight end position could see a bit of a renaissance under Ryan Day and under Mike Yurcich. And maybe that's another big story for spring practice to watch out for. Is And maybe that's that's what I'll do is keep an eye on how many of those old guard kind of guys at starting positions on both offense and defense get passed over for more dynamic and younger players that just fit what either Greg Madison now Washington want to do or Jeff Halfley for that matter in the backfield and then on offense with with what Ryan Day wants to do moving away from Urban Meyer's kind of ground and pound philosophy so I think at literally every single position you could see a lot of these older guys get passed over and that's something you said about with J.K. Dobbins and Demario McCall and no matter what happens there I think that those two are going to be a big part of the offense uh, at running back. But I, I do think it's very possible that we see a lot of older players get passed over. And quite honestly, that's that's something that we've been calling for for about a year and a half. And we'll see whether Ryan Day does it. And we'll see if, if they do it. But I, I think that the chances are, are pretty good that it happens. Yeah, I, I think that that's really the you know the... I guess the focus of this spring practice is just seeing if Ryan Day is is legitimate about the you know moving towards a more Clemson style, being a little bit more cutthroat, being a little bit more willing to play young players, and I think that that's the key for Ohio State taking steps towards competing with Alabama and complete competing with Clemson and, and Oklahoma and the teams that have been in the playoff consistently in the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, bringing in Justin Fields, bringing in Mike Yurcich, certainly good signs, um, bringing in Jonah Jackson from, from Rutgers, the grad transfer. Um, while that might upset some players on the team, it, I think it's kind of a necessary, it's, it's kind of a necessary thing to have. You have to be, constantly looking for improvement constantly looking for ways to make the team better and I think that this spring practice this offseason in general is going to be a really really good um, tell for for what to expect from from Ryan Day and his tenure and what we can expect from this Ohio State staff as you can tell we're both super pumped up about it and we have a lot of exciting spring content coming your way, do we not, Patrick? Oh, we, we certainly do. I'm looking at a spreadsheet right now that has, um, as I'm looking at it, I think eight or nine of my bylines on it, quite a few other bylines on it as well, uh, because we are doing a, a massive spring preview package that people will be able to read probably as this is, probably as this is going up. I think that 
we are um, we're going to start posting things on Wednesday, which is the day that spring practice actually starts. I'm not sure when this podcast will be up, but um, yeah, we we've got. I mean, really, all of the content that the people crave. We've got. I did. I think six different player-based features, um, which is. I think probably my favorite part of the preview package are the player features. Um, I have something on Demario McCall, Chris Olave, Brendan White, uh, Jeffrey Okuda, and Sean Wade, Justin Hilliard. We have something on Chase Young, Justin Fields. We've got really all of the the guys that we talked about on here covered, and I think we have really great content from a lot of really great writers on on um, some of the some of the most important players on the team and some of the players that will really make this season. Um, I did a deep dive on the the depth chart for both sides of the ball, what the depth chart might look like, what Ohio State will be expecting from you know different positions, what might be new, what might change a little bit. Um, I believe we have a deep dive on Jeff Halfley and you know just kind of where he comes from and and what he does and what makes him work. We've got a uh, a deep look at, at some of the new true freshmen. I know that there will be a lot of Garrett Wilson in there. Um, some some NFL talk. We've we've got really I think everything you could possibly want in a preview package, and I think people are gonna really enjoy it. You might have to turn the comments off for that Demario McCall piece. I think people are gonna like it. <laughs> I hope so. I know I'm gonna like it, and I think it really just goes back to what we've been saying for a long time: is best players play. That's what we want to see. And I'm a huge J.K. Dobbins fan. I think he is in line for a big season. But if Demario McCall ends up getting that spot and puts up big numbers, that is fine with me as well. As long as the best players see the field and they're putting them in a position to win, then I think uh, there's going to be a lot more positive talk than there has been on this podcast and everywhere else about Ohio State for about the last year. And that's scary to think about because they've still been pretty damn good. So despite all of the newness when it comes to this team and the program in general and how they look heading into spring practice. There's a lot to be excited about, and we're going to have a lot of great coverage on the website, landgrantholyland.com, and here on the Holy Land Podcast. Subscribe. Make sure to do that and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. Find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland. We're kind of reshuffling. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast at all. Uh, It should be in the next couple of weeks. There probably won't you may have to go to a different place other than SoundCloud. I'll say that, but we'll still be up on Apple Podcasts. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's hard to say at this point. But stick with us. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here all of uh, spring practice and as we lead up closer to the 2019 season. Yeah, on that, um, I, I actually I think I do have one thing on the podcast thing. Um, I, I believe that there might be at least one new show coming yeah. on this um it, probably more than at least one um on this feed uh which is i mean it's a good thing I, I think that um having more content is something that the people enjoy i would i would imagine they probably follow us for the content and i think that um some of the new stuff that we're, we're working on is going to be really really good for a lot of people i know that we've got um we had in the during the season kind of a a um a non-revenue sports uh, podcast. I'm not sure if that's returning, but Alexis and Matt did a really, really great job with that. Um, I know I'm working on a, a recruiting podcast that I, I think will be bi-weekly, which is the two, you know, every two weeks, not twice a week, which would be just absurd to do on recruiting, but people have that to look forward to. I think we might have a couple others coming soon. And um, 
SB Nation is making some changes to the way they do podcasts. I think the changes are all good. Um, you you guys really won't see anything on the back end that's that's too different, other than you might have to go to a different application. We don't we don't know about that yet, but um, lots of good stuff coming down the way. I think people are going to enjoy the new content quite a bit. Yeah, and I'm not on any of the new podcasts, so if you hate me, that's a, that's big news. <laughs> big news for you. You you're the real winner in this whole situation. Is there any other spring practice stuff we want to talk about? Are we good? Is is Tate Martell going to get his transfer waiver? <laughs> Man, I hope so. That would be, I mean, good for him. I I'm I'm all for as I've talked about before. I'm all for players just having free agency. I think that would be good. Um yeah, no, I think just uh, read the read the preview package. If it's out now, go to uh, landgrantholyland.com. It should be there. If not, just you know follow us on Twitter at landgrant33, I think. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, landgrant33. Follow me on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Follow Colton at Dubsco. Um, and the, the preview package will be there. I think it could be at any of those places. Um, really just, you know, lots of content coming your way. Lots of Ohio State football stuff for people to read lots of i think in my opinion very very good writing from a lot of the people at our site some you know we we have really i think kind of not shifted focus but focused quite a bit on quality over quantity and i'm really proud of the way we've covered quite a few of the ohio state news stories of the last year or so and um i think i'm i'm maybe most proud of this preview package from what i've seen from from everybody else from the stuff that i've put down on on some documents. I think that it's really, really good. And I think people are going to enjoy it. Check it out. It's going to be super cool. Landgrantholyland.com. Keep up with us on the podcast at Holy Land Pod on Twitter as well. Spring practice is here. We're jazzed up about it. We hope that you are too. And we can't wait to talk about everything going on in the Ohio State landscape. We'll be here all spring and heading into summer. That's it for today's episode. Want to thank you all for listening. For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.